Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and changemakers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Waira UK, part of Telefonica Open Future. Visit waira.co.uk to learn how our acceleration programs can help your startup grow. And this is your host, Michael Shafrat. In today's episode, I'm speaking to Caroline Angus, the CEO and co-founder of DesiWatt, who have invented Gravity Light and Now Light, both lamps aimed at providing energy and light for people outside of the electricity grid. Their first product, Gravity Light, went viral as it was able to use gravity to generate light for hours. After Gravity Light, DesiWatt has now evolved the product into Now Light, a lamp that generates one hour of light by simply pulling a string for one minute. It also allows users to charge their phones with it and um, generate lighting for their homes. Um, it's great to have you on Impact Hustlers. Thanks very much for joining me. No, well, thanks for inviting me. What is the impact that DesiWatt is looking to make? Is this about sustainable lighting and uh, applying sustainable energy or is this more than that? Well, I mean, the beauty of Gravity Light and now Now Light um, is that it is just it is far more than just Uh, renewable energy. So at the core, yes, it is a renewable energy solution. But also when you're looking at replacing kerosene lamps used by the one billion people without access to electricity, you have a knock on of positive benefits. Um, so from from the start, as soon as you switch to a clean, safe, renewable solution like now light, you are stopping using an open flame, which can cause burns, um, it's creating fumes, so you're inhaling these noxious fumes, but also from a longer term health perspective that contributes to cataracts and cancer. Uh, from an environmental level, yes, you're also reducing CO2 and black carbon, which has an even more intense and localized warming effect. Um, and then in terms of the ecosystem around lighting in a, in a home and what's that used for, you know, anything from helping cooking, but also reading in the evenings or maybe doing more work um, and increasing your earning potential. And so then that has a nice positive knock-on effect in terms of people's earning power. You're structured as a for-profit company, but obviously with a very strong focus on the impact that you're looking to make. How do you measure that impact? Do you measure it by uh, sustainability metrics or do you look at the education element as well, where then people can read in the evening hours and educate themselves How, how do you solve that? You can, you can start to look at so many different facets of different benefits caused by providing clean, safe lighting and energy. Um, and I think, especially as a startup, you need to look at what's realistic to measure. And I don't know if you've come across sort of Acumen's lean data, but that's definitely uh, what, I, what has inspired me to think about, okay, what, what can we embed into our business so that it isn't necessarily an added cost or unrealistic to collect certain data points. And then we'll do deep dives to really understand more about that, that impact from a longer longer term point of view um, or multifaceted point of view from a family's experience. So I suppose at the core, we have the question of to what extent is a now light replacing a kerosene lamp? Um, and then you can make certain assumptions based on multiple studies already done in the industry on the positive impacts of that. So whether that's CO2 reduction, you know, 150 kilograms per, per lamp replaced, And then as well as more anecdotal stories on the benefits that people have experienced in terms of their health um, or what activities have been enabled. You started with Gravity Light, generating electricity from gravity. How does that even work? How can you possibly get light out of gravity? So by gravity, you actually mean a bag of rocks or sand, um, which is wonderful when you, when you demonstrate it to people and pe they're kind of 
shocked and don't actually believe that it's just rocks in in the bag so several times i've actually had to stop my demonstrations and and hand around the rocks to show people like actually that is in the bag so that's that's been brilliant um to see their their look of shock um so in terms of the the principles of how gravity light works you literally just fill a bag with rocks or sand about 12 kilos um, you attach the unit to a sturdy beam um, and then pull up the bag. So with a with a pulley system. So it just feels like you're lifting two kilos. And that was actually an experience through our through our user trials was recognizing that if you're just asking someone to lift 12 kilos, um, you know, not everyone is going to be able to do that or as to be able to do it as high as they need to to get the full drop time out of the product. Mm-hmm. So then the the bag of rocks will gradually descend and as they do so they turn a gear train which powers a generator dynamo and then powers an led so that's live power there's no need for battery in that system you evolved that product uh, you just recently completed a new crowdfunding campaign for your new product now light which doesn't have a bag of rocks anywhere anymore uh, it looks otherwise it looks similar from the outside a bit it evolved in terms of the design but why have you changed your approach and uh, what is Nowlight all about mm-hmm. now? So the past two years have involved extensive user trials, in particular in Kenya, uh, and also uh, extensive research and development in terms of how do we create the next generation solution and what does that look like? Uh, so some of the, the benefits that we wanted to keep from the Gravity Light system were around the fact that it's instant. You can generate light and power immediately. Um, the fact that it's independent of the weather. You don't need to leave anything out in the sun. You can just create it yourself because it's manually powered. Um, however, some of the insights that we found from our from our user feedback was that it just needed to be brighter. And given that, um, you know, 95% of the population in Kenya and it's applicable sort of worldwide own a mobile phone, mobile charging is essential. And especially when you're looking at a price point of anything really above $20, $25 in that market, people expect it to be able to charge a mobile. That said, there's only so far we could take the gravity light concept. You know, do we make the bag of rocks heavier at the risk of people's ceilings? Do we, can you install it higher? Not really if you're limited by someone's roof beams. Um, And then the other dynamic was, do you make it drop faster? But actually, the the current drop time was 20 minutes for a six foot height. And there's only so many times you want to go back and, and lift the weight again. So we really needed to, a radical rethink of the product development. In the meantime as well, uh, battery technology and solar technology had advanced significantly. So not only had it got much better and more efficient, but it was also coming down in price. And so whilst that was an original barrier in the design of Gravity Light and why we decided to sort of eliminate solar panels and batteries, now we we thought about, okay, well, how do we want to integrate it into this system? Uh, so what we have with Nowlight is basically a hybrid solution. You can charge it manually, the pull of a cord. And as you said, you know, one second's pull is a minute of light. But you can also attach a solar panel. So if you're in a sunny country, make the most of that sun. Um, and you can attach a DC charger. So basically att- plug it into the mains. So if you're in the context where it's more around power cuts, you can charge it up in advance and know that you've you've got your sort of power bank ready. And your recent campaign, you raised more than 100 20,000 uh, pounds uh, on Indiegogo. And I saw on the campaign that Nowlight actually is selling for about $90, uh, I think, at the moment. But $90 is a hefty price tag for people in developing countries, right? And even here, some people might think, okay, for a light, do I spend 
$90 or do I just buy a flashlight for mm-hmm. $10, right? How are you looking to solve for that in terms of really getting people in developing countries to use it and make it affordable for them? There are a couple of parts to that answer. So one is in terms of the performance. And obviously, we've been looking at the competitor landscape and what other solutions would people would people use in different contexts. Uh, you also mentioned the fact that we're obviously selling it to uh a more affluent market through our Indiegogo crowdfund. Uh, 50% of those people were in North America. They're also European supporters. And that's a very different context why people would use it, whether it's for camping or for power cuts, like in the next hurricane. Um, and then, yes, how do we then apply that technology and that commercial model to less affluent uh, consumers who don't have access to electricity or reliable electricity? So... There's a couple of dynamics. One, the Nalite system is modular. So you basically have at the core is the main unit. Then you can add on different accessories. So you can add on additional lights. We call satellites, each with their own sort of independent brightness settings. Add on the solar panel. And so really build it up depending on how much you want to spend and what you want to use it for. Then the other dynamic is our commercial model selling at different price points to different markets. Um, So we will be selling at a higher price and higher margin in uh, Western markets, if you like, developed markets, uh, where people can afford to spend that and where also it's still a competitive price point versus other solutions. And um, so part of those those funds will help us, part of those funds will help support our activities in lower income markets, where frankly it's a lot lower margins, but also... Uh, a lot more time and effort to be able to reach those customers. And then a a third sort of piece of that puzzle is pay-as-you-go. So households living on just a few dollars a day really can't afford anything or to invest in anything above $10. You know, that's a huge outlay of their their savings, even if they're part of savings groups. Um, And this is definitely part of the, the research that we already did with Gravity Light was understanding, okay, what is reasonable? What can people afford and, and also are willing to pay for a solution like Nowlight? Uh, and so we have developed and will be refining over the next few months a pay-as-you-go system. So you pay your deposit to the local distributor and uh, they'll give you the light and then you can pay either in cash or mobile money, receive a code for that amount that you've paid and then that will unlock the next week or so of power so basically people will be renting to own so at the end of four or five months they'll be owners of that product and then be able to benefit from the savings for the next few years what is your vision for off-grid households so many of the households that will use it especially in developing countries they're really not on the grid or on an unreliable grid do you think we will evolve more in a decentralized energy production where devices like Nowlight have a good place because we might just produce it ourselves or is Nowlight an interim solution until these problems get fixed and until the energy grid gets uh, distributed to those people? Well I think if I had my sales hat on I'd say every household would probably own a Nowlight and that's the solution Um, but I think the, the the amazing thing about the ecosystem for energy solutions is how varied it is so you have anything from really small lanterns at you know five to ten dollars to microgrids that serve a community to then obviously the main grid now the reality is in terms of how remote some of these areas are um is they're just going to be too hard to reach uh 
and they just won't be electrified in the next 20, 30 years time. So you do need the decentralized solutions. Then to the question of, okay, well, is it a household level or is it a community level? I think it's definitely going to be a mixture of both. And that's partly based on the realities of what distributors are there, what solutions are there available. Um, and what community initiatives are there to save to be able to invest in these different solutions? I'd like to talk a bit about your validation process since, you know, discovering the problem originally when you just had the idea of all this to iterating with Gravity Light, iterating with Now Light. How did you validate this problem? How did you validate that the solution, the hardware solution you came up with, with is actually the right one with hardware being quite hard to iterate on as well without spending a lot of money? So with the design process, and particularly with Nowlight, user feedback has been sort of central at each different stage. So from identifying the problem, which we obviously knew a lot about from our Gravity Light experience, but then also really understanding different ways in which we could solve that, that, that problem. Some of that has been in-house in the workshop um, from a very practical level of, okay, well, what is the most efficient and easy way of manually charging? Is it hand-over-hand pulling? Is it a rowing mechanism? Is it a, a foot pedal? And then also putting that into the context of, okay, what is what is small and portable and realistic for a household-level solution? So it, it is a real mix of where we've conducted the different trials in our development process. Um, but throughout, it has been around users using it. Uh, and I think also from my gravity like experience, I want to make sure we fail fast. Our aim is to develop a solution that not only meets people's needs, but also excites them enough for them to want to buy it because we are a social business model. Um, this will be predominantly a sales-based approach. And so people are only going to buy it or spread the word about it if they're, if they're really excited about the performance. We've absolutely needed to treat it like any other product solution that, that are in, in the shops in terms of robust research, competitive comparisons as well. So one key part of, of what we've been doing is around giving households different solutions that are already on the market or that are in a similar price bracket, as well as our own solution and saying, okay, use these for several weeks uh, on rotation and then tell us what you think. And then once they've said, okay, yeah, I prefer this, I would buy that one, then see if they'd put their money where their mouth is. So offer them a thank you incentive for being involved in the in the pilot and then say, okay, well, now you have that money. Are you actually going to spend it on this product? And in some cases, they'll say, actually, I'm going to prioritize school fees, but I might buy that at a later point. So that's also really interesting and part of our, our research process. How do you validate with so many completely different customer segments? So um, me, the, I'd love, I love to go camping. I went to Poland on a kayak trip. Mm -hmm. This is the ideal product for me, right? Um, I'm a completely different customer than somebody in rural Kenya trying to um, get some electricity into into a small place. Um, how do you create a product that serves all those needs and who are your target segments? Who are you actually catering for right now? Yeah. Refining our user profile is, is definitely what we're focusing on at the moment because you're right, you can't be sort of one thing to everyone especially with the same the same hardware solution and part of our development journey over the next few years will really be tailoring to specific uh, different markets and different use cases so whilst we've had the off-grid market as our sort of core focus on the product development side 
we've also recognized, okay, actually you've got huge appeal in this Western market who want to use it for, for camping cabins and hurricane preparedness. So what we're, what we're doing at the moment is really focusing in on who are we reaching at launch uh, and who are we reaching sort of six months down the line and why. And so that's actually less about the product at the moment and more about thinking our sales and marketing strategy through. So for example, in North America, it's more campers who take their car with them or overlanders. Uh, and in terms of emergency preparedness, it's people who might be in a hurricane-prone zone who are spending a couple hundred dollars getting their sort of go bag together and thinking about a multi-day power cut. So we are sort of narrowing in on, okay, who specifically is our target market and how are we going to talk to them and reach them through sales and marketing channels. What is the big vision here if you think about the next 10 years? Uh, what sort of world would you like to help contribute to uh, achieve what's the big vision that you'd like to help create with with now light and with desi what so in in 10 years time hopefully everyone will own an light as a starting point but i think that speaks to just the the shift towards renewable energy but and looking in particular at households without access to electricity who are using kerosene lamps the fact that those will be eliminated in the next 10 years through both now light and other off-grid solutions or, and the growth of the grid as well. Um, so that's definitely part of our, our core vision for what does that look like. But more broadly, I also want to see impact as standard in terms of how businesses are thinking, um, that they're always being conscious of their environmental footprint or their social impact, and that it's not seen as a, as a nice-to-have or a gimmick or something that's kind of on the periphery, but actually mainstream businesses, small and giant corporates, have to operate with a, with a real consciousness of their of their wider impact. Do you, do you ever feel yourself, uh, I think it's a very common question, but do you feel yourself uh, training off between the profitability of your business and the impact focus of the business? Or do you feel it really goes mostly hand in hand? Given that we are yet to launch now, Light, I think that is a future question. It's definitely something that I'm conscious of because we have some very different markets. I mean, to some extent, they are so intertwined in terms of the commercial model. So we... we We don't rely on, but it's important to have those profit margins in more affluent developed markets to help our activities in developing countries. So it is quite core to how we make our impact. But then the risk is, as you're hinting at, is what if we just focused on the Western camping market? And I think part of that comes down to the team, you know, who the, the founders are, who the leadership team are, and also who we continue to recruit and you know, what is driving them. And then also very topical at the moment because we're just talking to investors is who are our investors, you know. So obviously we're talking to some impact investors because I want to ensure that's sort of going to be baked into what they want to see out of our uh, of our business going forward. So for somebody starting out looking to create a hardware solution aimed mainly at developing markets, what advice would you give them? A couple of things that I haven't necessarily followed myself. Uh, so it's probably easier to give give the advice, but um, definitely be in the country and um, be building up a, a team, a local team. So you really understand the sort of the culture and nuances um, of your target market. I haven't seen my friends or partner very much over the past few years because I've been in Kenya so much, but it's been 
it's been absolutely essential to to be in the market that you're looking to serve. Another element, again, which I need to do more of myself, but is to build up that support network uh, of advisors, of people who've been there, done that, um, because there are lots of pitfalls that you can avoid or at least have someone to bounce other solutions around um, from people who've been there, done that. I mean, I, I would also say that crowdfunding has been invaluable to us three times now. And it's been an incredible way of testing the proposition, of getting critical funds in terms of cash flow to be able to invest in that tooling. The watch out there is then you have a, a massive supporter base that is waiting on that timeline that you promised. And even, I mean, I put so many buffers in and they, it, they always get eaten up pretty quickly. Um, so it is a trade-off because obviously you then have a whole nother um, supporter base and audience you need to talk to rather than focusing in on your core um, user if they're different people. But I think that that's definitely been something that's been invaluable to keeping us, um, frankly, afloat, uh, but also giving us the sort of the energy and momentum to, to keep going with certain initiatives. I wish you all the best on that journey still. You just closed the crowdfunding, so now it's uh, about producing it. And you, you told me just before that you're right into tooling and actually making it happen. So I wish you all the best for that. And that, that most things go right. Not everything will go right, but that everything uh, will go right enough for you to deliver. And um, uh, thanks very much for joining me today. No, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Cheers. This was Impact Hustlers. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Waira UK, part of Telefonica Open Future. Learn more about Waira on www.waira.co.uk.